0: com podcast. My name is Ben Stone. Today is Friday, November 2nd, 2012, and you're listening to podcast number 223. A lot of things are going on over at the uh, badquaker.com uh, website. If you haven't been over there, or if you haven't been over there in a while, uh, you really should do that. Go over to BadQuaker.com and look over uh, right across the header on the right-hand side. You'll see a button for the uh, for the Bad Quaker forum, and um, hit that button. Get over and take a look at the forum. You might want to uh, you might want to look around through there. There's some really interesting stuff being posted. We've got uh, I think I think there's around 60 or 70 members right now, something like that. And we still have one T-shirt available for the next. Um, for the next uh, we well, I should explain we have uh, three different ways you can look at the uh, at the forum. you can just go there and look at it and you can see a good portion of it uh, just by you know looking around then if you will create a um, you know a, a login which is free, you can do that and you can see a little bit more of the forum and you can see some of the postings that people have in there and you can also post in a good portion of the forum but if you choose to support the forum. Um, I think it 's only four dollars a month or twenty five dollars a year, and that opens up uh, another section of the form to you so that you can uh, interact with the people in there now and and it, for the and the t shirt thing for the next uh person who and this may already have happened by the time you hear this uh, so so we uh, we only have one of these left for the next person that uh, logs on and creates a a, a, a username. And uh, and then buys a, a full year of membership, will get a uh, badquaker.com T-shirt. So we've got the one T-shirt left to give away. But um, above and beyond that, if you even if you don't necessarily want to, you know, pay any money or whatever, you can you can support badquaker.com and you can be a part of the community by just getting over to the forum and creating a, a login. And just kind of poking around, looking at the things that other people post, and if you have a thought, go ahead and post it in there, because uh, as as you interact with the community like that, we build a bigger community, and we and it actually supports badquaker.com in the sense that, you know, the more interesting stuff that's posted in that forum, the more people will be drawn towards it, and the more the forum itself will kind of take on its own uh, its own nature away from this podcast. And... And it will become really not just based around me and the words that I say, but more around uh, all of you that are, that are listeners and, you know, uh, people interacting, sharing things. Like there's uh, information in there on, uh, you know, guns and, and um, uh, religion, but also things like, you know, we have a gardening section, we have uh, funny pictures, we have funny videos, we have all kinds of stuff like that. Get over to badquaker.com. Look across the uh, the header there. Find the button for the forum, and hit that button and go over and just check it out and see for yourself. Now I should also say that I have failed to do something that I keep promising that I'm that I'm gonna do, and I haven't done it yet. And that is to uh, put together a reading list. I I really need to do that. I need to put it on the forum and uh, and make it interactive so that people can have their own suggestions on it, and we can talk about specific books and so forth. So that's one of my goals. I meant to do that last week, and I just didn't get to it. So I it's something I really uh, seriously need to put some effort into. Um, now, uh, getting away from from the forum and my little sales pitch about the forum. Uh, I want to just jump right into today's topic. Uh, you know, it's, it's really frustrating when you see people that are still, at this point, still clinging, clinging, still clinging to their, you know, really, I mean, it's the faith in the state. It's their faith. And to see people, intelligent people, uh, honest, hardworking people that still just cling to this magical state like it's going to save them somehow. and and, and No matter what we've seen for the last, well, you know, technically thousands of years, but specifically in this generation, um, how you can have your eyes open for the last 10 years and not understand that this is all a scam, that everything the state is doing uh, just makes the condition worse and makes things worse. It's not providing you security. It's not providing you with anything. The state simply is is the myth that allows government to live off of the rest of us. That's all it is. And it's so frustrating to see people still clinging to their chains, still still wrapped up in in um, in the desire to be owned. And that's really what the government is. It's just a slave master. Uh, and they blindly you know the elections are coming up, and they blindly pray for a better master that 's really all the the elections are we We realize you know the the more pragmatic of them they they know that the left right thing is an illusion and it 's fake and it 's wrong and they, and they 're the, the, the more pragmatic of them understand that, and they realize that that the entire process is bad but yet they can't let go of the belief that somehow some magic man is going to come along and fix the state and put it back into that condition that they imagine it was once in. And that's part of the myth, you know, this myth that at one point in time things were good, the state used to be good, government used to work for the people. No, it never did. It never did. It's always been nothing more than a leech sucking the life out of humanity. There's never been a time when the when the government actually did what it what it claims that it does. What it that all the myths and the lies and the illusion that surround government. There's never been a time when it did anything other than feed off of the people. That's all it's ever done. And these, you know, I mentioned the more pragmatic people that understand that the left-right illusion is fake. And many of them, uh, many of them know that, for instance, the Libertarian Party or maybe the Green Party or whatever they cling to, uh, many of them know those those parties never have will will never ever have any chance whatsoever of getting control of government. But what they refuse to believe, what they f- refuse to see, it, it, no matter how obvious it is, is if the Libertarian Party or whoever that they you know whoever they're clinging to, if they could get control of government, they would be no different. They would be exactly like the left-right uh, goofballs that run it now. It would be exactly the same thing. And yet they cling to this faith. They're waiting for their Savior to appear and fix government, magically restore it to this to this mythological, you know, uh, the uh, the idea it, it's kind of like the myth of uh, of the arthur legend you know the idea that once there was once the state served a great purpose and once there was a magical kingdom where the king was happy and the queen was happy and all the knights sat around a table around a table and and uh, chatted and everything was good but even in that myth even that myth had such horrible flaws that nobody could believe it if you don't add the corruption of government into it, that's the only way. Even that myth, the myth of Camelot, can can only work in as a storyline if you shatter the myth of Camelot and show government for what it really is. But people refuse uh, to let go of their their savior, their idol, the state. They refuse to let go of it. And they refuse to consider any alternative option to, to worshipping this monster, to, worship, to bowing before this beast. And they refuse to even consider the moral side of the argument. Uh, you know, I, I say this all the time, you can't do two wrongs and make a right. You can't do two bad things and come up with a good thing. And and these people will acknowledge that government is bad and government does bad things and and you know government is based on theft and aggression. They understand these things and yet they still want to go vote because somehow they think yeah if we can just get in there and just do get this one thing passed then oh things will be better if we can just get government to get off our backs on this one issue this one thing that is so important to me if I can just get government to get off my back on that one thing then then things will be better. But they never realize that more and more wrongs can't make a right, that doing the same thing over and over and over, and even if you can get the the government to do that one magic thing that you want government to do, even if you can get it to do that, you're only focusing on that one thing and you're ignoring the repercussions of all the other actions of government that are caused when it tries to do that one thing. You know, this is what Bastiat uh, tried so hard to explain. That, yeah, you know, everyone, everyone, every single person who, who embraces the state and votes and, and supports the government in any way that they do, they all think, they all understand that there are aspects of government that are bad. They all do. But they think that if they can just get government to do the thing that they think is good, then it will be good. But none of them ever see, they refuse to see, that the government can't do a good Without multiple harm taking place. And, and again, this is Bastiat uh, trying desperately to explain that the one thing that you see, the one thing you want government to do, and you see the result and you think this is going to be good, what you don't see is the layers and layers and layers of harm that your vote does, that your government does, that your wishes, that your attempt to control government, you don't see the layers and layers and layers of damage that are done because you 're only focusing on your one issue on just the one thing you think, "Oh well, if we can just get marijuana legalized for for medical patients or whatever, or you think, if we could just get this gun law passed, or if we could just repeal this gun law or we could just re- repeal this this law about abortion or this uh, you know whatever your pet thing is. And you focus on that one thing and you say, but life would be better if we could fix this part of government. And you refuse to look at the layers and layers and layers of despotism that you create when you interact with government and try to get it to do the thing that you think is good. You know, everybody from, and and we're excluding complete psychopaths here, we're, we're talking about normal human beings. But everybody from the Nancy Pelosi's to the Ronald Reagan's to the Richard Nixon's to the, you know, Barack Obama's to the George W. Bush's. They all had flaws, but they all believed in the state and they all believed that they could do good by using the aggression of government. You can't convince me for a moment that somebody even like Nancy Pelosi, who is a disgusting human being. You can't convince me for a moment that she is deeply evil and she wants to harm people. I don't think that. Uh, you could convince me she's an idiot, but, but you're never going to convince me that she is deeply evil and wishes to harm people. And yet everything she does, every act of government and everything she puts her hand to produces evil because that's all government can do. Government is based on aggression. It it steals Everything the government has, it got it because it stole it from somebody. And so then how can the government give you something? Or how can the government do something for you? Or how can the government um, stop interfering in a particular thing and then there not be any repercussions to that? You know, this is the, this is the uh, you might call it the negative argument. The idea that, well, if we can just get government to shrink back from this or shrink back from that. But all you're doing is denying the fact. It's like pushing on a balloon. You push on a balloon in one spot, and you think, see, I'm making the balloon smaller. But you're not seeing, if you're just focusing on that one thing, you're not seeing the other side of the balloon. Because it has to, to bulge out someplace else to make to make up for where you're pushing in. And all your efforts, and even if you could do these things, even if you could make the government, oh, uh, just, just the, the mythical thing that you, you have in your mind that you want government to look like. You, maybe you imagine sometime in the 1800s or the 1700s or the 1950s when government was good and it did all these wonderful things and it was not harmful and it didn't. Even if that myth were true, which it is not. But even if it was, and even if you could shrink government back down to that to that magical size in your mind, if you could do that, it would still be a monster, and it would still be consuming and consuming, and consuming at the cost of the innocent, because that's the nature of this beast. That's what it does. That's what it, is all, that's what it is, has always done. There's never been a time when government didn't feed on the weak, so what can be done with these people that just continue to insist that somehow they can, they can do good by continuation of their evil? Somehow they can do good by using the government, by, by influencing the government, by stepping into the process, becoming part of the government, voting, getting involved, running for office, all these things. What can be done with these people? How, how can they be shown that what they're doing is the problem? what can we say, what are the magic words that we can use to convince these people to to self-examine and ask themselves the hard questions? If, uh, if you voting can actually make things better, then why hasn't it ever happened? Why has the government just continued to get worse and worse and worse? And you say, well, isn't that contradicting what you just said? Well, you know, the myth that the government used to be good that's the myth the government was never good but it is getting worse and it will continue to get worse and in a sense that's the best thing that can happen if uh, like i was saying a second ago if if you could have all your magical hopes and dreams and if government was to shrink back you know shrink down to the point of where it was less harmful than it is now then for you today things life things might be a little bit better. Life might be easier for you today. But what have you handed to the next generation or the generation after that? You've simply put off dealing with this monster for another generation. That's all you've done. How can that possibly be good? How can it be good if we understand that the nature of government is evil? If we understand that it is nothing more than a gang of thieves living off of the rest of society. If we understand these things. If we understand that government, if if it were voluntary, if government were voluntary, then we wouldn't have a problem with it. But the fact that it is not voluntary, that one fact means that it's evil. It's being forced upon us. Why? Understanding these things, Why? Would a person then say, well, if we can just make it livable until I die, then my children can deal with it. Then my grandchildren can deal with it. Why do we want to put it off to some other generation? And isn't that really what government is doing anyway with, with all of its unbelievable debt? Aren't, isn't the short-sightedness of government the, the very thing that many conservatives uh, are upset with government about? That it, that it borrows more and more and more and, and lays more debt onto future generations to the point of where future generations will never be able to pay off the debt of their grandparents and their great-grandparents. Isn't that what conservatives whine about constantly? And yet, when you, when you allow this, the, the, the myth of the state to continue, when you accept the notion that if we can just vote in this or vote in that and then things will be better, Aren't you really just putting off dealing with this beast until you're dead and gone and don't have to worry about it? Aren't you just laying the burden of dealing with this onto a future generation because you're simply too lazy or too scared to, to actually face what it is that you're doing? Isn't that kind of what's happening? Isn't that what the conservative and the liberal is doing? And many of these people you know, it almost doesn't matter if they've heard, maybe, maybe they've heard Nozak's uh, Tale of the Slave, where he goes through the different steps, the different phases of slavery, and shows that, uh, you know, no matter if you're allowed to vote, no matter if you get certain freedoms, no no matter if you're allowed to do this or allowed to do that, ultimately you're still a slave. Maybe they've, maybe they've heard that. Maybe they've read Nozak's Tale of the Slave, and maybe they just choose to look the other way. Maybe they've seen Larkin Rose's Tiny Dot. Have you ever seen the Tiny Dot uh, YouTube video? Maybe they've seen Larkin Rose's Tiny Dot, and they still look away. Or they've seen Larkin Rose's The Jones Plantation video, and they've listened to the wise words in that in that video, and still they look the other way. And they cling to the hope that if they just vote through this one thing and get the state to get off their back on this one thing, if they can just get government to do this one thing, then things will be better. but they never look at all the repercussions of their actions. they just continue to cling to that to the blind faith that somehow doing evil over and over and over will someday produce good, that somehow a majority of humans dominating the minority over and over and over will somehow set people free, that somehow freedom can come from that. Or they lie to themselves and they say, well, we're more free if we do this, or we're more free than those people over there, or we're more free than, you know, uh, we we would be more free if we could just get this law repealed or this law passed. We have to. We have to go and vote on this particular issue because if we don't, the government's going to oppress this group of people. And all the time, you're ignoring all the repercussions. All of those things that Bastiat said are unseen. You're choosing not to look for them. Not only are you not seeing them, you're choosing not to look for them. Folks, stick with me. I'll be right back. Did your world collapse when Ron Paul didn't win? Don't keep hoping for some great man to fix government through government. Complete your evolution today to full-on anarcho-capitalist. Reward your brain with the Freedom Fiends and quit breaking your heart with some politician. While the libertarians argue, But who would build the roads? The Freedom Fiends have already built the roads and moved on to making the great media content of the libertarian paradise. FreedomFiends.com That's FreedomFiends.com Did you know author Terran P. Lupo has a new novel out called One Nation Under Blood? When a rejuvenative blood technology is developed that pits the young against the old, the government must take firm steps to address the war of supply and demand brewing across generational lines. Blood is not the only thing bought and sold in this dystopian tale of technology, economics, and independence. Vampires are now very real, but we never expected them to wear our grandmother's best Sunday dress. Thanks for sticking with me through the commercial. Now I was talking about these people who... Just can't let go of their faith in their savior, the state, and it's uh, it really saddens me. You know, I wish there was magic words that I could say to bring them freedom, but there's not. There's only their own will. There's only whether or not they want to be free. Um, you know, there's a I don't I haven't seen it in years, but there was uh, one of these nature shows years ago that uh, in in one scene they had this termite mound in Africa and there were uh you know there were monkeys nearby and the uh the person doing the um the video uh h- had a piece of fruit and he made sure that the monkeys could see the piece of fruit that he had and he walked over to the termite mound and he uh he dug a hole into the side of the and termite mounds are very you know they're they're really tough they're really uh, a hard structure and so he used a stick and he dug a hole in the side of the termite mound, just barely big enough for the fruit to slip inside. And then he drops the fruit in, and then he pulls back, and they just watch with the camera. And the monkeys were watching him the whole time, because monkeys are tremendously curious. And uh, and monkeys also understand, you know, as a part of their nature, if they see one animal hiding something especially if they recognize it as food they see that animal hiding something and what's their first inclination is to go and get it because obviously it's valuable otherwise that other animal wouldn't have hidden it so so pretty soon a monkey gets you know a little bit of bravery and comes slipping over there to the uh, to the termite mound and he checks it all out he reaches in and he grabs hold of the fruit and he starts to pull his hand out but the hole in the termite mound is not big enough to accommodate his hand and the fruit. And he's caught. And he, and he can't let go of the fruit because, you know, he's, he's got it. It's his fruit. And the man comes walking up with a with a with uh, a bag and just tosses the bag over the monkey, picks him up, and he's captured the monkey. And there's nothing the monkey can do. Well, the monkey could let go of the fruit and run away but he can't even fight very well with his arms stuck in the in the uh, termite mound because the monkey has something he doesn't even know really what he's got but he's got it and he's clinging to it and he doesn't he, 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 between his own greed and his own fear he will not let go of of what it is that he's got a hold of and the statist is very much like that and the funny thing is a statist uh, is often offended when you point out that they're a statist, because they have in their mind these other people that they call statists, who are, you know, far more. Um, uh, maybe maybe one one statist doesn't believe he's a statist because maybe he's a libertarian or maybe he's whatever, and he only wants to use the state a little bit or he wants to shrink the state back to its to to where it's very very small, but yet he still clings to to the state he still clings to his faith he won't let go of it no no matter what happens to him he still clings to it doesn't matter how often he gets robbed doesn't matter how often uh you know that he has to face oppression from one level or another and a lot of times you know people uh we we over the process of time we have a tendency to ignore the chains of the state and and at times even, you know, um, at times even complimenting each other on the fashionableness of of each other's chains. We're like we're like uh, like supermodels, all chained and admiring each other's beauty, and and actually appraising each other's chains. And yet, the whole time, that's not really what they are. That's not really what these people chained are. They, they imagine themselves to be beautiful, and they imagine these chains to be fashionable. But all the time, you're just galley slaves. You're just dirty and sweaty, and you can't move around. You can't do the things you want to do. And you don't believe me? Just, uh, just try to go someplace without permission. Any, anywhere. Just go and see how long you can go before some aspect of government stops you and demands money from you or demands your identification or demand something else from you. And what right do they have to do that? The only right they have to do that is the fact that you believe that they can do that. And the fact that they'll kill you if you resist. That's the government. You know, I've talked before about um, about a bird. Uh, I, I saw just yesterday on uh, on Facebook someone talking about how you can vote yourself freedom. You can vote yourself. You can become more free by voting. And, uh, you know, it's just laughable. I mean, really it's pathetic and it's sickening. And it's also laughable that someone would believe that, that you can either be more free or less free. You're either free or you're not free. And if you're voting, you're engaging in the very act of keeping those chains on yourself. You're believing that rattling your chains and, and, and uh, you know, admiring each other's chains or swapping each other's chains, that somehow that's going to bring you more freedom. If you have a bird, and I say this all the time, so the regular listeners have heard this, but if you have a bird, you have a little uh, a little finch, and he's in a cage, and maybe he's spent his whole life in that cage, he's not free. And if you put that, even if he's never experienced freedom, if he doesn't know what freedom is, He may not understand that he's not free, but he's still not free. And you put him in a bigger cage, and he's still not free. You put him in a cage that's so big that he can't find the edge of it, and he's still not free. He's only perceiving himself to be free, but he is in fact caged. Now you take another bird, let's say a chicken. Chickens have been bred for thousands of years to be as stupid as possible. So that they will wander around out in their yard and pick and eat and scratch around, and then they'll return back to where their master wants them, and they'll sit there and they'll produce eggs they'll produce new generations of offspring to be slaughtered and eat, slaughtered and eaten by the master, and they're completely content, and they are owned even if there's no even if there's no cage even if the cage is there to protect them from the predators. They are still owned. They are still not free. But what's really the most sad of all the examples of the bird uh, and freedom is, is the falcon. The falcon has lived his whole life. He, from, from, from his tiniest, just almost straight out of the egg, he's been hand-cared for by his master. The master has never been mean to him. The master has always treated him well. The master has always fed him. The master has always been the source of food for him and he's grown and he's grown and he's attached to his master deeply attached to his master and he becomes a beautiful mature bird powerful majestic noble a slave he he perceives himself to be free he can he can leap off the master's arm and he can fly around in circles and and he and he hunts and he brings down the 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 pigeon or whatever, and then he uh and then he returns back to his master's sleeve. Why does he do that because this beautiful noble bird is as much enslaved maybe even more than the finch in the cage. His freedom is only an illusion in his mind as long as in his mind as long as His master is the source of his existence. He's enslaved. And we have those in society. We have people, noble people, honest people, beautiful people, totally enslaved, totally dependent upon the government. And yet, that only exists in their own mind. If they just take to wing and realize that their freedom is at hand, then then they wouldn't need to return back to their master's sleeve. There was uh, recently, and I, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, that this began, that this story began. Um, There was uh, at the, at one of the presidential debates, uh, a reporter for We Are Change asked Debbie Wasserman Schultz about Obama's kill list. And a lot of people have talked about this. It's kind of old news, and I'm bringing bringing it up now because, you know, I had notes on it back when it happened. And, um, uh, one thing led to the other and I never really got to cover it. So I'm not going to go into it in great detail today, but I do want to reference it. Glenn Greenwald, which is, uh, you know, Glenn Greenwald is probably, um, probably one of the very few truly honest liberals that are out there, but you know glenn's flaw is that he still believes the myth that government serves a purpose other than to feed off of off of people but but you know i think glenn is an honest liberal he's he's one of those rare ones and uh and, and there's something who knows if you if if a person could get close to him and maybe talk to him, then you might find what that security blanket that that glenn Greenwald still clings to, and you might be able to uh you know to point out that it 's an illusion but but at this point, he hasn't discovered that yet. And he did a really good article. The The headline was, The Remarkable Unfathomable Ignorance of Debbie, of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And the problem with Glenn is, you know, his naiveness. Uh, he's he's a good reporter, and he's, like I said, he's honest, and he writes really good stories, but he's naive. The Remarkable unfathom, unfathom, Unfathomable Ignorance ignorance of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. It's not remarkable. It's not unfathomable. It's just business as usual in Washington. This is how these people are. It's self-selection bias takes place. I've talked about that plenty. And, um, and the people in Congress, because of self-selection bias, these people in Congress are some of the lowest, stupidest individuals in public. If you just think about some of these things. Okay, so with Debbie Wasserman Schultz, here's what happened, basically. The, the reporter from We Are Change comes up and asks her about uh, Obama's kill list. And she was either completely ignorant of it, or she's potentially the greatest actress of the 21st century. One or the other. Because you watch her in that video... And it appears in every way that she is absolutely clueless that the president has the capability to indefinitely detain anyone he wants and kill them at his will without a trial, without a jury, without anything other than the fact that they're on a list that somebody handed him and he points to it and he says, do it. That's all it takes from the president. And it's clear from this video, from We Are Change, that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, has no clue. And how is that? How is it? How can it be when it's been reported by pretty much every major news source? And, and the White House has openly um, supported these policies and openly given uh, uh, arguments for the need for these policies, and yet she doesn't know about it? She's the head of the Democratic National Convention, uh, I'm sorry, Democratic National Committee, and she doesn't know this? Go over to Wikipedia and read the page on Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and you'll see uh, the great accomplishments that she's made in Congress, how she's been praised as being, you know, one of the young go-getters. She's, uh, uh, you know, among—well, but you think about this. I use this phrase quite often. There's there's an old phrase that goes, uh, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man can be king. So if you consider Congress as the land of the blind— then even a one-eyed person uh can rise to the top there because because the thing of it is the pool uh of 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 mm, people in congress has such a low level of um expectation that anybody who shows any real abilities whatsoever um they move right to the top of it as she has done and yet She is entirely clueless. She's on the uh, judicial committee, on the House Judicial Committee. She's on the House Judicial Committee, and she doesn't know that the president has a, uh, a kill list and can arrest and detain anyone he wants for any time frame that he wants. She's on the Judiciary Committee and doesn't know that. How can that be? How can she be the head of the Democratic National Committee and not know this critical piece of information. Well, the reason why, um, let me get to that in a second. Dave Ridley uh, up there in New Hampshire, Dave Ridley has a thing called the Ridley Report. And I really enjoy Dave's uh, Dave's work. I have for years. He's a really, uh, really fun person to watch. He's got an amazing sense of humor. He was, uh, he was in line at an Obama rally in New Hampshire, and he was, had his camera there. He does uh, uh, YouTube uh, videos, and he had his camera there as the people were in line for the Obama rally. And um, he was asking people in line why they support a president that allowed the torture of Brady Manning, the Army whistleblower. And the people in line looked dumbstruck. They, they had no idea what he was talking about. Dave quoted Amnesty International and talked about how Amnesty International, which is, you know, big to these leftists. Amnesty International has said that Obama knowingly allowed the torture of not only Brady Manning, but of other people as well. And this one lady in line just looks at Dave, uh, you know, like a, like a four-year-old that you just told Santa is fake. That's the, that's the look in her eyes. She's out there supporting Obama. She's going to vote for Obama. She's waiting in line to see the majesty of his greatness. And she doesn't know this simple fact that even one of the world's most liberal organizations says that Obama has supported the the torture of not only Brady Manning, but of others. She has no clue. And you think tomorrow she'll remember that? You think tomorrow or the next day, or when it's time to vote, you think she'll walk up to the voting booth and go, I can't do this. This man supports the torture of people. No. She can't let go of that fruit that's stuck inside there. To her own death, she will cling to that which she believes, to her faith. She can't let go of it. Her whole world is dependent on on this mythology, on this religion of the government. And it's not i'm not picking on one side here, Republican Peter King was asked almost the exact same question by the same reporter now uh, Peter T. King is the republican he's the chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. This is something he should know he when he was asked about um, uh, about the the sixteen year old boy that Obama had murdered the sixteen year old boy from uh, Colorado that Obama had murdered simply because his dad uh, was a criminal. Well, his dad was never actually convicted of any crime, but that's okay. Obama murdered his dad, too. And the justification that the government had in murdering the son was just the fact that he was the son of the bad man, and someday he might grow up to be a bad man. And that, that literally is the argument that the White House gave. And this is two separate killings. It didn't happen. It wasn't collateral damage from the first killing. The father was targeted and murdered. And then sometime later, the son was targeted and murdered. Not because he had ever even been accused of a crime. Simply because his father was murdered and the White House claimed that at some point in time, he might get dangerous too. And so that was justification to murder him. And when this same reporter from We Are Change comes up to Peter King and asks him about it, he's clueless doesn't know he he uh he makes the he he makes the statement that indicates that he thought maybe the kid was killed at the same time as the father was killed in other words, not only does he not know what's going on, he doesn't bother to try to find out he doesn't want to know if he if you actually knew. Maybe he'd have to do something about it. But then again, maybe he's not completely uninformed. Maybe he's a brilliant actor, and it's all a con. I don't know. I have to either believe that these people are unbelievably brilliant actors, or else they're just idiots. I tend to think they're idiots. If you think about some of the other things that Congress is known for, well, actually... You know, I need to go to the break, and uh, so before I do, let me just quote Mark Twain, and then I'll come back to this. Suppose you're an idiot, and suppose you're a member of Congress. Oh, but I repeat myself. That was Mark Twain. He also said, it could probably be shown by facts and figures that there is no distinctively Native American criminal class except Congress. That's Mark Twain. Stick with me, I'll be right back. Would you like to do something to support BadQuaker.com? Here's how easy it is. If you're already going to buy something from Amazon, go to BadQuaker.com first. Click on any of the buttons for Amazon. Once at Amazon, shop like you normally would. You'll pay the same price for the things you buy from Amazon, but Amazon will give BadQuaker.com a tiny portion of that purchase. It's amazingly easy to shop at Amazon, it won't cost you any extra, and you'll be supporting BadQuaker.com. Thank you. BadQuaker.com uses HostGator as our web hosting service. It was fast and easy to get set up, and the support we receive is top-notch. They have helpful and friendly 24-7, 365, live technical support, and a 99.9% uptime guarantee, and they have some of the best prices in the business. If you have a website, or if you want to have a website, check them out by going to BadQuaker.com, and click on the button for HostGator. And thank you very much for supporting BadQuaker.com. Okay, thanks for sticking with me through the commercial break. Now, when I just left, before the commercial break, I was quoting Mark Twain. But um, keeping keeping in that tone, uh, keep in mind also that J.R.R. Tolkien, about in the same time frame, well, no, he was a little after. I think Mark Twain died right after 1900. And Tolkien would have been a young man at that time. So, um, somewhere I think in the 1940s, Tolkien wrote to his son, and he said basically that the most improper job of any man is bossing other men, and that not one in a million is fit for it. And the least of all, those who seek the opportunity. The least people, the, the people least fit to boss around other people is those people who would seek such an opportunity. And that's what Congress is. That's what all government is. Government is filled with people who have spent their life attempting to get into a position where they could tell other people how to live their lives. Just think about that for a minute. Think about what kind of a person that produces. What kind of a what kind of a group of people does that kind of thinking produce? Do you remember Hank Johnson? Hank Johnson is this congressman who... Um, who asked the question that if you get too many people on the island of Guam, would it capsize? Would it tip over? If you got too many people on the island of Guam, wouldn't it tip over? And then later on, you know, after everybody on the Internet pretty much started making fun of him, he came out and he tried to make an explanation. Well, I was just, I was just trying to make a point. But if you go back and watch the actual video where he said those things, you realize that, no, he actually believed that the island of Guam could tip over and capsize if you got too many people on it. How about Steve Beyer? Steve Beyer ran it on the House floor. He was talking about how how uh, tobacco was not such a bad product, and he was ranting on the House floor. And he said that if you smoke lettuce, it'll kill you. If you smoke lettuce, it'll kill you. How about Henry Waxman? Henry Waxman's that guy that always looks like his nose is pushed up against glass. And you can't look him in the eye without seeing inside of his sinuses. That's Henry Waxman. He once uh, he, he's the guy who got the um, who got congression, congressional hearings on steroids. Um, he's the guy who believes that Congress has the right to have to to say whether steroids can be used in sports like baseball and so forth. That's that's the guy we're talking about. And yet, in an interview, Henry Waxman. Um, when being questioned about steroids, first off, didn't know whether or not steroids were legal. Didn't know whether there was already a ban on steroids in sports or not. He made the statements that he made the statement that steroids shouldn't be allowed for any reason. He didn't know that there was any medical reason for steroids whatsoever. Didn't really know what steroids are. He also made the statement uh, in that same interview. That, uh, that indicated that he didn't know it, what the legal drinking age in the U.S. was. And that's funny because in 1984, he was one of the people that voted to have the national government, the federal government decide what the legal drinking age for people all across the country was. He voted for that in 1984, and yet in a, in a recent interview, he didn't even know what the legal drinking age was. Think about Sheila Jackson Lee. You remember this person? Got to maintain the, uh, the ratings here, the proper G rating, that is. You remember Sheila Jackson Lee? She's the one who said, uh, and now this is a quote, Today, we have two Vietnams, side by side, north and south, exchanging and working together. Remember her? This, was, this is a woman who was in college during the middle of the Vietnam War when young men were being snatched away by the draft, sent to Vietnam, and were dying And she's the one who doesn't know that Vietnam is now one country. She thinks it's still two countries, in her words, side by side, north and south, exchanging and working together. This is the stupid woman who was actually in college when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, and yet she's the one who asked the NASA administrator if the Mars rover would be able to send back pictures of where Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked around and put a flag on the moon. She clearly was confused between the moon and Mars. And she was in college at the time when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. This is a person who has authority, who has power, who has respect. Todd Akin is the guy who said that if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut, uh, to try to shut that whole thing down. If it's a legitimate rape? Really, Todd? And, and then you think about, what was Obama's reaction to this? The great leader Obama, what did he say? He said in reference to Todd Akin's idiocy, he said, what I th-, and this is a quote again, this is Obama's actual words, what I think these comments do, underscore, is why we shouldn't have a bunch of politicians, the majority of which are men, making decisions that affect the health of a woman, I'm going to read that again, because that is just stunning that Obama would say that. What I think these comments do, underscore, is why we shouldn't have a bunch of politicians, the majority of which are men, making decisions that affect the health of women. And then Obama has the audacity to to try his best at socializing medicine. What kind of self-contradictory morons are these people? Or... Are they genius actors that just think we're morons? Nancy Pelosi, remember her? She's the one that said, we have to pass the bill so that you can find out what's in it. She made up this elaborate biblical quote one time in a speech and then didn't uh, didn't realize that somebody might check up on it. It's not like, oh, it's not like, uh, you know, there are people who actually know what the Bible says. You feel perfectly comfortable just making up a huge quote and saying it comes from the Bible And you do that in a public speech, assuming that nobody will check it out? Or is she just so stupid that she hires speechwriters that have the audacity to make up biblical quotes? I don't know. Are they this stupid or they think we're this stupid? I'm thinking they're the stupid ones. But I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Somebody voted them in. Nancy Pelosi is the woman who said, this is an exact word-for-word quote, Unemployment benefits are creating jobs faster than practically any other program. Unemployment benefits are creating jobs faster than practically any other program. I suppose that could be true if the government hires everybody who's unemployed to be a part of the unemployment uh, uh, benefits programs. I suppose that's probably what Nancy Pelosi would love to happen. Everybody who's unemployed gets hired by the government to shuffle papers. In what kind of a twisted mind does that make sense? What kind of a person thinks that if the government just hires enough people, the problem will be solved? And yet, they think it. Many of them think it in one form or another, or they just don't think. And, and again, this is not just the weird, uh, odd one off or two off out of Congress. Think about Chris Lee. Remember Chris Lee? He's the uh, Craigslist congressman. Remember him? Think about Mark Foley. Remember Mark Foley and the and his uh, fascination for young pages? Remember him? What about that idiot that was caught in the bathroom at that one airport uh, and then uh, then tried to explain that he really wasn't gay? This is what those people are, all of them. And what did Tolkien say again? Who would even want to be that kind of a... Uh, Who would even want that kind of authority? But anybody who would want it is not fit for it. The fact that they would want to go up there and be a part of that is evidence alone that they're not fit for it, and they should be rejected. Here in Ohio, we have, you know, it's a swing state, so we just have constant barrage of commercials on TV, on the radio. Every day, every day, mail comes, just stacks of it with pictures of all these slime telling me how important it is that i get down there and vote for them this one moron named josh mandel is running here in ohio and in his commercials he says if you want to change washington you have to change the people you send to washington really really josh you idiot really it's like we haven't been doing that for 224 years and it hasn't worked yet but maybe if we do it now it'll work is that it Oh, but we have to have campaign reform. We have to have term limits. We have, have, a, have to have a flat tax. We need to shrink government. We need to return to the Constitution. 224 years we've been listening to this, and there are still people who think that in a few days from today, if they go down to the booth and they pick up their chains and they show how, how pretty their chains are and they vote at the booth and then they march out with their little sticker, I voted, look at me, I'm more freer, look at me, I can move all around the cage, I can fly all the way from one side to the other, I'm completely free. I voted, I did my part, I'm a good citizen. Part of the problem we have is that every political sub- subgroup sits and stews in their own juices. They hear the news that they want to hear, they, they tune in to the news channel that feeds them exactly what they want to hear. They read websites that only support what they already believe. They go into social media of one kind or another and they sit and they chat with each other and they repeat exactly what it is that they already believe. They surround themselves with people exactly like themselves and reinforce. Yeah, it's, it's like the supermodels admiring each other's chains. They just reinforce what they already believe and they seek other people exactly like them to help justify their own slavery. Every, lib- every liberal that I've ever met holds a comical, unrealistic view of conservatives. And every conservative that I've ever met is just as clueless about liberals. They don't really have any idea what the others believe. And they don't really understand that really they're the same thing with just a slightly different label. Have you ever seen those uh, on, the, on the Internet? It's a real popular meme. It's a series uh, that that people have made. It's how my friends see me, how my mom sees me, how the government sees me, how I see myself, how I am really. You ever you ever see those uh, those memes? Some of them are pretty funny, but in a sense they they are also very very realistic because um, you know, we're all kind of fooling ourselves. We all sit and we chat to to each other. We surround ourselves with people who believe exactly like we do and we and we never break out of that mold and we never see the whole thing because in so many cases we don't want to see we don't want to know it's like uh, it's like that uh, it's like that idiot congresswoman not knowing uh, and and not only her it's like the voter that Dave Ridley interviewed having no idea that the man that she worships the great the great and magnificent obama tortures and murders people that's what he does. That's what they do. It's their business. It's what you voted for them to do. It's what you will vote for them to do. And you think switching and putting a different face on it will make it different. You think, like Josh Mandel says, you think just sending a different person up there is going to be different. It's, it's just a constant beating of the slave drums by the drum delter. Left. Right. Left. Right, left, right. Hands fixed to the oars. Left, right. A snap of the whip every now and then is a reminder. Battle left, speed, right. Left, right. Battle speed! Battle speed, Hortator. Left, right. Galley slaves. And it is, the, it is the call of battle that where the state really comes to its fullness. Everything else is an illusion, but the state lives for the opportunity to go to war. That's really deep down what the state desires the most is to be in a continual state of war with people in a continual state of fear, always thinking that the enemy is right at the gates, about to about to get us. As long as the as long as that myth continues then the state can keep so many people captured in fear hands to the oars keep rowing as long as the whip doesn't snap on your back you just keep rowing keep rowing keep rowing tolkien also said in addition to what i said earlier about him jr tolkien also said my political opinions lean more and more to anarchy philosophical anarchy Oops, philosophically understood, meaning the abolition of control, not whiskered men with bombs. He also, uh, Tolkien also talked about unconstitutional monarchy as being superior to what we have now. And some, some people were kind of confused about that with Tolkien. But really, um, what Tolkien was talking about is much similar to what Hans Hermann Hoppe has talked about extensively that the condition we're in now with democratic governments and the illusion that that the electorate has some kind of say over government that condition is far worse than a single monarchy with no with no written papers to control him because a monarchy monarch in, in a monarchy, the monarch um, the the king has a motive to protect his property and he he perceives all the people and all the kingdom and all the land and all the goods he perceives that as, a, as his own property and he has a motive to take care of it and pass it on to his son or whatever he has a motive to do this we 're assuming he's a good king and and you know not as a psychopath of some kind, but modern government is not has no no sense of property in in the possessions of uh of what they perceive as their possession possessions meaning um, modern government is simply a a bunch of caretakers who have limited control for a small amount of time and have to loot as much as they can loot during that time and so this is what hans hermann hoppe has t- taken great pains to explain that that's why a monarchy is superior to a democracy. That's not to mean that the monarchy is not uh, you know, oppressive and is not evil. Of course it is. Of course, of course it's wrong to have a monarch. Of course it is. But even that is better than what we have now. This illusion that your vote is good and that you can make government better by simply going down there and voting, that illusion is the very chains that keep you tied to the galley. Think, thinking of uh, Tolkien, you know, his explanation. That, By the way, that came from a 1943 letter that he wrote to his son, the, those quotes of J.R.R. Tolkien that I was given a minute ago. But thinking of Tolkien's position in the early 1900s, you know, he never had the opportunity to read uh, Hoppe, because, you know, Hoppe's not that old. But um, but consider that, you know, in in Tolkien's day, who he had to underst who he had to read and and the people that he could uh, uh study and so forth, um, it was very limited their their view of anarchy was very limited, and so it- Tolkien was able to see through all the negative propaganda about anarchists and he was able to see past the flaw the obvious flaws that were in anarchist thought of the day, and he was able to see that there was a moral position in this that was superior. Even if it hadn 't all been fleshed out and all been worked out, imagine if um, if Tolkien could have read the writings of Hans Hermann Hoppe, then you know um, the refinement in his thinking would have been so much uh, more clear had that been the case. yeah, think of it a different way think of uh, if you could go back in time and sit down with, with a tinkerer who had a fascination with electric. Say, somebody like uh, Benjamin Franklin, and, I, and I'm not a big worshiper of Benjamin Franklin, but but let's just say that you could get back in time and talk to Benjamin Franklin about computers. And you could explain to him that someday in the future that there would be these little boxes and that they would have practically no moving parts. And essentially, um, all there really is happening inside this box is that little on-off uh, pulses are taking place. Now, he could probably buy that part of the story, but could you ever actually explain to Benjamin Franklin that people on one side of the Earth could communicate and have um, and have video conferences with people on the other side of the Earth using these little boxes with, with uh, on and off pulses of electricity? Do you think he could ever grasp that in his mind? The distance, you know, from Benjamin Franklin trying to figure out what electricity was, to to having a computer that you can watch a revolution take place in Africa while you're sitting there, you know, in a in a coffee shop in in Montreal or something, that 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 that, that difference, that distance, that Benjamin Franklin's mind would have to cover in order to grasp that. That's uh, that's very much the same as Tolkien trying to grasp the uh, the the fullness of anarchial thought that we've come to today that is available to us today. And yet Tolkien was already embracing the basics of these thoughts 60 years ago, 70 years ago. And then we think of people that are still going out and voting today and how can we ever break through and show them th- this this leap, this leap in understanding that goes from obeying your master, keeping your hands on the oars, keeping your head down, continuing to follow the beat, continuing to vote, and how can we bring them to open their eyes and see that all they have to do is refuse to come back to the master's sleeve, just fly, find your own food, don't rely on the master, don't trust your master, refuse to cooperate, refuse to be a part of their system. Folks, for more on liberty, property, and the zero aggression principle, go to badquaker.com. Thank you very much.